good morning. This is Hacker Mike, and you're listening to the stream of Random Walkcast, my morning walk, which is a little bit late today. It's not 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning, it's actually, oh my god, 7.22, so this is going to be a short walk, because I was working on editing the audio. Can you believe it? I was editing audio from last night. Our epic stream of random episode 50 with me and Chicken Jar. And um, I was listening to it, reviewing it, and cutting out some of the noise for my beloved listeners who I know love audio quality. And this might be one of the best audio qualities we've had on a group chat. Um, We used... 8x8, which is also known as Jitsi, and um, we did a PC-to-PC connection. I had the uh, Behringer audio interface set up on the microphone side, and some headphones on, and Harry just had a, uh, a Bluetooth headset, I guess, paired to his computer. So, um, and his uh, internet dropped out once in a while. And he had to reconnect. And there was some echo. We need to work on all of that. I'm thinking maybe we should get a server in Kansas City so that the latency between us two is the same. Like meet in the middle kind of situation. So that's kind of my next plan. Um, I'm going to go get myself some breakfast sandwich. Something really healthy. A uh, pork roll and uh, egg and cheese bagel that's very common in New Jersey I'm sure you all love that it's the ultimate cholesterol um, fix so I've had this idea here so the community center here in Ewing doesn't have any sidewalks and it's always full of mud and water So I was thinking, what if we were to create a project and raise the money and put in some wood chips or something, or sidewalks, and we would actually take that away from them so that it wouldn't be part of their budget. We would create like a uh, Ewing Community Center or Ewing Sidewalk Improvement Project where we would um, identify key sidewalks and raise the money to actually put them in, find sponsors for that. But even wood chips would do it. And wood chips are free, mostly. It would at least stop the flooding if you had enough wood chips on there. So um, that's kind of one of the ideas I had for some activism. Um, Okay. Well, I'm at my bagel joint already, so I'm going to uh, stop the tape and continue after I consume my sandwich. All right. Well, that wasn't a very good uh, pork roll, egg, and cheese and sandwich. A little life pro tip, don't go to the Muslims for a um, pork roll sandwich. They don't really eat pork roll. All right. So, um, that was pretty nasty. Definitely worth walking to the Pennington Bagel 
even if it's a three-hour walk. So, uh, what I was going to say. So, we had a good talk on the podcast, and I wanted to go over some of the topics. And some self-criticism about... uh, So I noticed I didn't let Harry talk about some things, or I interrupted him, or I went off on tangents on a lot of stuff. So I have to apologize for that to him and to my audience. And we're going to have to go back and make a list of topics that are unfinished. And I think we should just record some more and tack it on to the end of that podcast to make sure that we actually complete and resolve some of the things we were talking about. That would be the most fair. <clears throat> but uh, really uh, what I'm getting into today as a topic is we got, I mean, this is the, like a serious, serious topic, which is... Um, You know, what is science, what is reason, and what is belief, okay? And this is a very heavy philosophical topic, and I haven't actually studied all the philosophy on it, so that so that, um, I can't, I'm not really qualified to make statements about this from authority. And um, so what I have learned from the philosophy podcast, Philosophize This, is that certainty is overrated. And we can be very uncertain, we can't be very certain about many things. Okay? So that's the first thing to, um, to fall. Is certainty. And I think that's an important idea. Where they talked about how re- uh, religion, it was totally certain. And um, <clears throat> reason replaced it, but it was very certain. And now modern philosophy has attacked reason for being over-certain, over-committed, and um, (coughs) created more pockets and fragments of reality. Um, And then that's basically leading us back into the memes and the meme wars, where we basically have uh, self-replicating ideas that are fighting for supremacy, and um, even different scientific theories are fighting to be replicated, and um, religion is also just fighting, it's all fighting for mind share. So I think that's kind of what we're getting into here, is the meme, memeism and how the brain 
um, is the carrier of the meme, the replicator, the um, the incubator of the meme, and the executor. But it doesn't necessarily know what the meme is. And I think we're going to get into different levels of awareness of memes. Um, so that <clears throat> we can deconstruct them, reprogram them, and basically hack and code them. We need to get the meme compiler out. We need the debugger, you know what I'm saying? We need to uh, <sighs> treat them as programs and understand them. So I think we can discard and dispatch with the idea of um, of science as an absolute scientific thing. Um, and we should approach science more as a uh, belief-based system where people um, judge scientific theories with relatively certainty. You know, like how many of us can actually verify some of these theories how many of them are actually verified how much of it is actual science and how much of it is belief like if you're talking about a model and if we get into the um, machine learning systems and they talk about models statistical models well those are not proven Okay, and you get into different levels, varying degrees of certainty and belief, and it's not always easy to um, understand a model or reproduce it, especially a machine learning model where it's very opaque, and just now are they talking about, you know, understandability and so forth in the models. So yeah, um, that is where we're going to get into, I mean, that's kind of the topic we touched on in the podcast, and I wanted to just expand on that idea. And considering that most of us are not scientifically trained or skeptical enough, that we don't necessarily even question these things to to the level that we should. And a lot of um, a lot of what we see is grouping of people together into clans or groups or fragments or segments, and those groups representing different um, memes, meme pools that are fighting against each other. And I think that's a more useful. I think that's a more useful. Um, way of looking at things. So, 
So that's basically the idea right there. Um, and then we'll look at what causes memes, what triggers them to get uh, reproduced, what, why, what are the aspects that people will like. And now that we get into the whole computer world, where it's so easy just to like and share, and then the algos take over. So did the memes create the algos, or did the algos create the memes? Or is there some kind of symbiosis where the meme propagation is now embedded into a computer system that is a symbiotic system with the neurological system where Google says that they don't even know what's in their videos. Okay, they don't have a deep understanding of um, what's actually going on. They have a somewhat understanding, but the machine learning does not understand the video. The machine learning does not understand the text. Like they don't know what they have in their database, okay? They have some idea, they have relative different degrees of certainty, right? But they don't know for an absolute fact, okay? So they're going to end up hiring um, some young millennials sitting in Austin being paid minimum wage to review the results of the machine and to rate it. So give it some human feedback. And uh, these young millennials are going to have a certain bias. And that bias is going to feed back into the machine, thus making it stronger. So we have a bias amplification system going on in the uh, machine-human-meme interaction. So, wow, there's some nice bucks here. One, two, three, four bucks. It's like a bachelor party or something. That's enough food to feed me and my family for the rest of the year. If I could just catch them. These are the guys who are eating my food. in my garden. <clears throat> so, I think I've touched on that topic, and then we touched on um, uh, Marxism, he Hegelism, the Hegelian dialectic, and um, I think dialectic is uh, over. I think dialectic is over um, simplified because die means two, and it's like okay, we have an <laughs> we have a um, the fight between two ideas. We have the uh, thesis and the antithesis, antithesis, 
But I think we should go and say we have multiple competing ideas in a marketplace. We have multiple memes fighting against each other in a battle. And uh, the question is, how? what is the rating and ranking system that we're using in the machine learning or genetic algorithm that's controlling it? And it's not just two, one against the other. I think we have multiple parallel competing, mutating uh, memes. Um, and I think that way we can introduce the idea of the OODO loop from Jocko. Um, observe, orient, it, orient, decide, and act. And how does a meme mutate and decide to act? Well, first of all, I think through the interaction and the fight, um, they will mutate naturally. So when we talk about the conflict between memes, I think uh, when something is defeated, well, it might be um, considered to be weak in some aspect, but that aspect might not be absolute. And we might not even be dealing with an absolute weakness or all the weaknesses or the absolute truth. We might be just dealing with a relative weakness or maybe a training, like in a neural network, a... Um, feedback or adjustment of a weight but it's like you got downgraded on that weight um, and uh, and that might be it and then a meme has to be uh, taken out and uh, reworked so that's kind of like the synthesis part um, of the equation where we're synthesizing new memes through the conflict and interaction, right, and the mutation. Okay. So, that's uh, kind of what I'm what I'm dealing with right now in terms of thoughts, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I just had this idea that the generic, and I'm going to propose that we have a generic idea of a spirit or an external entity. Let's call that an external actor, a god, a demon, a spirit, an angel, or even a person or a soul that we project onto the external world and we say... And this kind of gets into the uh, sympathy neurons or the sympathetic neural system where, where the mirror neurons, where you see a person and you mimic their behavior. Um, you kind of sync up with them um, and create a, a neural uh, sync. <clears throat> so I think that we're projecting, we're projecting that thought pattern onto things, the anthropomorphizing of things, like, oh, we can't do that because the gods will be angry, or we can't eat that chicken because that chicken is anthropomorphized now, 
or that fish, or the grass, or the world, or whatever it is, whatever we set our minds onto, we can anthropomorphize or give the um, gift of the gods, let's say, give the breath of life, like the golem, the uh, rabbi Liv turned the, the stone golem into life, Geppetto brought Pinocchio to life, um, yeah, and Facebook brought your stupid post to life, the meme brought it to life, because it gave it the animation that caused the sympathetic reaction in your brain that would um, see itself in something external and sympathize or identify with it. And maybe this form of identification is also like an egoism. Um, the ego identifying with something. And um, maybe we need to get more into psychology. I don't know enough about it. But I'm assuming that there's something there. <clears throat> yeah, these woods are a little bit dense. I don't want to go through them right now. I'll just continue uh, walking in a circle here on the soccer field because it's nice and quiet for my walk. Maybe I'll just do some different patterns on the field so the satellites uh, let me turn my GPS signal on and see if I can spell out something with my uh, with my walking. Hold on. How about I write a big F-U? With my walk in a GPS track. So yeah, that's kind of, um, those are my thoughts about the anthropomorphizing and, the, and, and basically sympathetic function. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to need more uh, markers, I need to plan out my, uh, my letters a little bit better because uh, just walking them might look erratic, but I did an F now. So the satellites can see that. Maybe they'll try and discern a meaning. Okay, so um, 
Okay. Yeah, so the audio quality, I think, was much better uh, last night. We're going to work on that some more. We're going to get Harry Reid also some microphones. And uh, he needs to get a better internet connection, I think. That's the next step. Get him a hard wire. Because the computer seemed fast enough. It was just the, the connection dropping out. So maybe he can go to a library or something. Yep. Instead of using a mobile network. And, um... Yeah, so I'm going to start thinking about, um, you know, this whole meme idea again and just say, if we have some kind of algorithm driving the, um, the learning and we're in some learning algorithm, so we're not actually in the world of absolute truth and facts, we're in the world of a learning algorithm that's trying to find a relative truth where we're just dealing with hypotheses, fighting against each other, memes, fighting against each other, and um, with relative degrees of truthness, um, and some kind of uh, fitness function that is going to rank them. And then um, eventually if they fall below a certain level, they'll get taken down and reconstructed, I guess. But that's also part of the mutation. So... Um, yeah, maybe that's just what we got, we've got. Um, and the science, scientific theories um, that survived are the ones that are strongest, but only until they get overturned um, by the next wave of the next generation of the memes. And we're in a constant state of flux. And then... Um, Yeah, and then we're going to deal with a, uh, a stability function where basically, you know, um, social stability is the other key part where um, people don't necessarily care about the truth and that's not important to them. It doesn't affect them on a daily basis. So we have our different um, eight levels of consciousness, let's say, and on the, on the lower levels of survival and essentialism, that really being essential is the only thing that matters, and it doesn't matter if it's true, where we get into dictatorships and so forth. Stockholm Syndrome and um, all that fun stuff, so that um, the higher levels of consciousness are the luxury provided by the lower when things are socially or economically or essentially stable. And if the lower levels get disturbed, then the higher levels collapse. So they are just a luxury function. They consume extra resources. I think that's a pretty good way of looking at it. Um... Yeah, and then we got to learn more about the um, artificial intelligence because that is what is driving our society. And it's driving it to a profit motive to um, 
to deliver the product that people want as quickly and efficiently as possible. And perfect market theory, you know, matching the suppliers with the, uh, with the consumers and uh, finding the best product, in theory, if we believe in that. But um, even if we're not in a perfect market and uh, the machine learning is being used for other things, like social control, how would we know? If you're being manipulated in some way, how would you know that? So, um, yeah, I think, um, I think those are some things to think about. And uh, we're going to have to uh, learn more about it. But then it would be the fight of the algos against each other because the algorithms are just the memes themselves. And the researchers are the ones who are mutating them, evaluating them. Um, and then we get into the whole game theory of competing interests. So I think um, there's a lot of things to think about here um, in a relative world with no absolute truth, given the meme theory and the competition theory. Um, I think we definitely have, uh, have something to go with. So I will leave you guys with that to think about and chew on. And yeah, we're going to do, uh, more often we're going to do some, uh, live recordings. Um, <clears throat> and you're all invited to join our channel. We you can do a call in. Um. I suppose we could set up a Discord uh, chat as well, and um, we're going to work on some more audio technology where uh, I think I might have multiple devices uh, hooked up to things. Like I could have two computers and I could have one for Discord and have the audio of that going into the microphone of the mixing cable of the audio interface, for example. And I could have a phone that you could call and have that output go to an audio cable. And here's a question for the listeners. I have been, I was not able to get the phone hooked up um, to the external uh, microphone with the jack cable. So if anyone knows how to do that, I need to do some research, but I was struggling with that yesterday. So, you know, have a, um, either a USB or a Bluetooth, uh, well, yeah, 
I guess I need to have a, uh, a Bluetooth microphone that can connect to the Behringer via a jack. So I guess it would be called a, uh, a Bluetooth headset that has the output. Um, the stereo output would go to a uh, microphone. And I suppose I could hack that out, take an old Bluetooth headset, and take the speaker wire and then plug that into an amplifier and plug that into the audio interface. That might even be something I could actually hack. I'm going to do some research into that. That might be a good little project to do. Something simple. I got lots of those freaking Bluetooth headsets um, because the batteries always die. But maybe I can just repurpose them. So that would be cool. Yeah, so I'll leave you guys. Thanks for listening. Hacker Mike out.